Hello everybody, welcome back to the Refined Quill podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the novel Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. So this novel was written in Victorian era England and it was published by Charlotte Bronte in 1845, I believe. And it follows the story of the protagonist named Jane Eyre. Um, it has plot twists, it has mild racism, um, there's a lot of hints towards the status quo and patriarchy, and I'm going to talk about the good things about it, the bad things about it, the meh things about it, and overall do like a mild analysis that's going to be short and sharp, but also really almost get into like the nitty gritty of it. So without further ado, let's begin. So I'm going to start off with the plot. So Jane is an orphan who lives with her uncle's family. So one of her parents, their sibling, which, which is obviously her uncle, um, he, he has passed away, although he made his wife, who is the headmistress or like just the mistress of the house of Gateshead, um, he made her almost like take an oath that even after he passes away, she will do whatever she can to make sure that Jane stays out of harm's way and that she is protected. And so that is the reason why she allows Jane to actually live with her and to actually stay with her. Although she doesn't give the best care to Jane and always has treated Jane as almost like a second class citizen in her home. So she always gave her two daughters and her son preference over Jane. She has treated Jane almost like a servant. um, And Jane has never really felt that parental love. Obviously, both of her parents have passed away. And her actual legal guardian could not care less if she died on the spot. And so at the young age of, I think it's eight, Jane is sent to Lowood Academy for Orphans, which is obviously an academy for orphans that is run by a priest, a vicar, whose name is Mr. Brocklehurst. Bocklehurst or Brocklehurst? It's been a long time since I've read this. I think that's his name, though. Um, And so she goes to this new school, Lowood, and has is happy yet sad because it is obviously a school that does not have much funding and so her life will be harder but at least she's going to be away from Gateshead which has a lot of bad memories like when she would be locked into the red room which is a bit like a punishment room and the hall of Gateshead um she has a lot of nasty like thoughts towards her family that she's been left with her cousins have always treated her not nicely her own guardian has always treated her like scum and so while she's not sad to part from them she is scared that now she's going to be in a new establishment with people that she doesn't know which is like understandable now upon arriving to gateshead she becomes friends with a young girl um whose name i don't know so i'm gonna search it up okay i'm back so her name is helen burns um, and now her name seems quite like I actually like remember who she is now. Um, so Helen was Jane's close friend at Lowood School or Academy, and she was kind of 
almost like a scapegoat at the school and definitely she endured a lot um but she had this like passive dignity that meant whatever was kind of thrown at her she didn't really take it that bad and if she was picked on by teachers she would just go so be it and move on with her day um she was also quite religious and had a very strong connection with god as well like that's one thing that we see with helen is how she kind of interacts with faith and almost is so like strong in her belief that god is real that it almost helps to get her through the pains of being an orphan at a school where everyone kind of bullies you um she also is kind of irrelevant i guess like after um she passes away there's not really another mention of helen um which she died of consumption um but yeah like there's not like after she passes away and jane leaves um lowwood after she grows up there's not really a mention of helen afterwards and so i think she just kind of served as like almost a way to look at being an orphan in a different light because whilst jane was a little bit more resentful and a little bit more like conniving and vindictive and just she wasn't evil but she had been wronged enough times to where she wasn't exactly good um helen kind of took in what people would say and she took in the wrong like the like the wrong deeds that people have committed with her and used that as a reason to be even more good um and so i think she's a very like interesting character so jane excels in everything she does at lowwood so she learns french she learns painting and drawing she learns embroidery she learns to read and write she does poetry she loves her literature she becomes like an overall academic and actually continues to teach at lowwood after she graduates um for a period of time until she feels the need to move on and that's when she puts an ad in the paper and says hey i'm like i'm a well-learned woman who kind of can be a teacher i can work in any kind of academic field um which secretary jobs weren't open for women at the time like i said this is 1840 not 1940 um and so yeah there definitely is that kind of like vibe of she is a very good academic and even though she was called useless by the people at Gateshead she has proven to be quite competent um and so she finally gets a position as a governess at Thornfield Hall to teach a young girl named Adele and so also her salary would also go up doubled so at Lowood she was working for 15 pounds a year at Thornfield she would be making 30 pounds per year and so i've just searched that up now actually so the value of 1 pound in 1850 is actually equivalent to 127 pounds in 2017 so if she's making um 15 pounds at once place and then 30 pounds out of like doing the maths you can but basically it was a double in the salary that she was like making at the time so jane packs her bags she packs her 
her coats, her bonnets, hoop skirts, all of it. Um, and she moves to Thornfield and she was quite shocked by almost like the demeanour of people at Thornfield because Miss Fairfax had this cool, condescending kind of a vibe. There was a woman named Grace Poole who worked upstairs. Um, I'm going to get into her later on. And then there was Adele who was a French girl um, and she was also the daughter of Mr. Rochester. Not the daughter. I think he was her legal guardian, but she wasn't blood related to him. And then there was obviously Mr. Rochester. Everyone's Queen Bay hunty Edward Rochester. Now, my opinion when I first started reading Jane Eyre was that he was mysteriously cool. Like he was like a bit rude, but he was this like mysterious guy that like no one knew anything about and had that like kind of vibe to him and then as I continued to read it I was like no he's like definitely a sadist so he does not treat Jane very nicely but Jane doesn't care because she's used to that she's not really used to people being nice like be people tr giving her the third degree has kind of become her life standard at this point she's quite used to it so she doesn't really care she continues to teach Adele, also being able to speak to Adele because she speaks French and is fluent in it. Um, <clears throat> and she becomes the governess there, living her life. And a lot of things happen. And then slowly, obviously, um, Jane begins to catch feelings for Mr. Rochester. And he begins to catch feelings for her. Um, there's this other girl that Mr. Rochester was putting on a show that he was going to marry. Um, and so therefore Jane was meant to leave Thornfield. I don't even know her name. I don't feel like searching it up because she was rude in the book. So she doesn't get to be named. Um, but he was planning on marrying her. And that was going to become his new wife. Um, and then basically um, Jane is like, I love you, sir. I love you. And then um, Mr. Watcher says, like, if you will have me. As your husband, I'll be happy, yada, yada, yada. You know, they basically confess their love for each other. And so then they be, and so they go to get married. Now, the tea spills, like the Darjeeling, the Assam bold. That cup gets tipped over when, on the wedding day, during the wedding ceremony, Mr. Rochester's first wife which yes he was originally married to a woman who remains nameless in this um book and I'm going to go back to like the themes around her but I just want to get like the plot out of the way first um her brother shows up and says you can't marry Jane you've already got a wife and then he says stuff and she's actually a crazy woman I don't love her she's also a creole woman so mixed so that means she's like of mixed French and African descent um and you know her brother says you know like this is literally adultery like you're committing adultery in a church how dare you um very Christian moment love that hashtag love Jesus <laughs> um anyway back to the actual topic I get off track so quickly um so then Miss Rochester and so Jane kind of like her world falls apart and so, and so she doesn't really know what to do. And so Jane packs up her stuff and leaves Thornfield. 
um, with like just her bonnet, her cloak, and a couple of other things. And she's gone, and she kind of just wanders around, you know, going here, going there, doing whatever, until she arrives at the doorstep of Sir John. No, Saint John Eyre. Not Sir John, Saint John. Um, although I don't think it's Saint John. I mean, it's St. I'm going to just say John, and then you guys know who I'm talking about. And his two sisters, Diana and Mary, um, who actually Jane is related to. But she doesn't know that at the time. And so they take her in thinking she's a beggar, and she needs food and shelter, and she's going to be a hungry woman who hasn't eaten. Um, she was also quite sick because she wandered around in the winter months without food, or water, or, or shelter. So she was ill at the time. So they take her in, feeling pity for her. And then... Um, they begin to realize she's actually not a beggar and was originally a woman of high society because she can paint, speak French, she can wax flowers, she can string seashells, she can embroider, she can stitch and sew, she can do all of these high class talents, like things like floral arrangements, like back in the day it was nonsense. Um, and so she can do all those things. And so they are kind of intrigued because they're like, you've come to our doorstep looking like Pov Grot. And then, in reality, you actually might be this, like, like extremely rich heiress. And so, um, then Jane ends up teaching at a village near where she is right now um, with Diana and stuff. And then Diana and Mary end up going back to London to teach as well. Um, John is a vicar and a minister, so he's a priest. So he kind of goes around doing his religious work. Um, and then... Jane finds out that she's actually related to all of them and that um, her father was, I think, I think it was either her mother was their father's sister or her father was their mother's sister, something like that. All I know is that there was different genders and there's like some type of like sibling parent relationship. So um, she finds out that that's her siblings and that her father has actually left her with this crazy big fortune of like 20,000 pounds at the time which if one pound was equivalent to 120 something like 130 dollars 10 no 20,000 sorry tw it was 20,000 20,000 pounds you like do the math do the calculation sis has got bag four days she has money she could make it into like a hoop skirt she could put it on her walls she could make it into a book like sis has gualas like she's she's rolling in it although this is kind of where I feel sad for her as well because she's never had family love and she's just realized these people are actually her close relatives and that kind of relationship has now come into the light she evenly distributes the 20,000 between her Mary, Diana, and John. Um, so they each get 5000 each because she says she doesn't need loads of money. She wants to help her family. She's never had a family, and they've been a family to her when she was ill, and now they're actually proven to be her relatives, her family, her peoples. So she's like, I don't need all this money just for myself. I want to give it to you guys because I love you. And I want us to live as a family. 
And I'm getting bored of talking about the thing because I want to get into something else. But all I'm going to say is, in the end, she ends up going back to Mr. Rochester. Um, and that's how the story ends. Like, she just goes back to Mr. Rochester. And, th- and there's, like, a big, you know, reuniting moment where she falls in love with him. The issue is, though, here's where the issue comes in. Mr. Rochester is already married. Like, that's just, that is the whole point. Mr. Rochester is literally already married. The servant who works upstairs, who I was talking about, like, previously, Grace Poole, she is tasked with looking after his first wife. So the whole time, any creaking in the attic, anything, that was literally Mr. Rochester's first wife that's been locked up upstairs in the attic of his big juicy house. So she's a Creole woman, and so obviously, like, this is like, a, a very big point I like to bring up about this novel is there is definitely a lot of racist themes in it. There is a lot of talk about, like, um, people of colour, Jewish people get dragged in the mud, Indian people, Hindus with their, like, supposed, like, false gods. Um, there's a lot of white supremacist, racist undertones. And it kind of just shows, like, to, like, the people in Jane Eyre and in this novel, it's like, this is just normal. But it's like, that's just, that's just reflecting about how society thought. And it's just showing us that people back in the day did not like Jewish people. Like, we think that anti-Semitism is like a World War II thing. It's, it's been rampant since day one, guys. Like, hello? Like, if anyone's ever read Exodus. <laughs> there is this, like, almost like judgment of Indian people. They're considered uncivilized, non-classy. They don't have a culture of themselves. They're wild savages. Um, John talks about you know, doing some missionary work um, because he needs to go and tame the native population. Um, And yeah, like, it's just, I think it's so funny that these people really thought they were onto something. And like, if you know anything about Australian history, you know that, like, these themes are in our history. Indigenous Australians have always been considered, you know, untamed, unruly, uncivilised people who have no culture, savages... Like, I had a talk with this lady in KR, and I'm like, I'm not going to name who she is, but there was a woman who I had a conversation with one time, and she was talking about how, like, native populations and stuff and people of colour never really got past the Stone Age. And it's just so funny, like, this book was written so long ago, yet so many of these kind of dirty, racist, xenophobic themes are still so prevalent in our society now. Like, I just think, like, they, in, like, in the book, when Jane sees um, his first wife for the first time, she was like, her skin was dirty, it was this horrible, disgusting colour, because obviously she's not a white woman. They talk about how, how she had, like, a mane, like a monster, because she had African hair. So it was, and obviously everybody knows, like, African hair, it tends to be, like, a bit more coarse and a bit more... It's got a lot more body and volume to it. And so rather than seeing that as a different form of beauty, people kind of feared that and they saw it as like, look at this ugly, horrible monster that's got, you know, brown skin and this big bush of hair on on their head. Like, this book is very racist. And then the, I hate like, Mr. Rochester has lied to you his whole life not not really his whole life, but the whole time you've known him, your whole, like, relationship with him, you've never known he's he's had a first wife. 
He's lied to you. He's locked her up in a room. So it's sort of like, I'm going to divorce you and we can go our separate ways or let's get, like, let's separate. It's literally like, no, I'm going to lock you in my basement, no, in my attic, and I'm going to make you go crazy. Um, And, like, if that is not toxic, ladies, I don't know what is. He was talking up that other lady who I was talking about who I didn't mention, like, I didn't name, but he was going to marry her, supposedly, and then so Jane would have to leave. He was talking her up. Um, Adele's mother. Adele's mother is not ever, like, like, Jane never meets Adele's mother, but she was an opera singer. Um, he falls in love with Jane. He falls in love with the opera singer lady, with the woman he was going to supposedly marry of, like, higher society, but didn't. He has his first wife. Like, he is the original pants man. And I think that's just such a bait, like, um, Jane was offered a position to be to do, like, missionary work, to teach, to have a job, basically, to go into, like, to have employment, to have a career, um, which was quite rare for women, and it's funny how it's just like, no, you can go back to the crazy man because you need a husband, get married, be the mistress of a house, marriage is all women are fit for, like, that idea is so prevalent in this book, and it and it, like, it actually boils my blood because I, I was so excited to read Jane Eyre but, like, now as a feminist, looking back on it, I'm like, why? What was the need? Although, we get to, in our, like, 21st century gaze, look back at them and be like, that's really embarrassing, sis. Like, you literally went back to a man who's locked people in his basement. That's really sad for you, queen. Like, you know, shame on you, hunty bay. <laughs> but if it shows us one thing, is that women were so oppressed back in the day they romanticized their oppression and they fell in love with their oppressors. Like they were just so held back and they were just so controlled and they had like, the treatment towards them was so bad. They were so normalized to it that, because like Jane Eyre is not written by a man. It's written by a, it's like, it's like Charlotte Bronte, a woman wrote this novel. It's not written by a man, it's written by a woman. And so the idea that women were so oppressed back in the day that they took their oppression as just how things worked and they didn't see it as oppression, they just saw it as life. And that this is just my destiny, I guess. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll just have to deal with this now. Um, although one of the good things about Jane, and it's not even good things, um, it could be a good thing, I don't really know. But basically, it is the language that's used in it. Like, reading Jane Eyre, I have learnt how to use words like seldom, hitherto, the word Eyre, like, not her last name, but E-R-E, which means before long. Um, words like eschew, like, I just, random words that I wouldn't, like, never actually use in my daily life. I now know what they mean and how to use them. Um, words like selkuth. Selk, I don't know, I feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong, which is quite embarrassing on my part, but apparently it means rarely used, I think. That is probably one of the only positives about this novel, is that it, de like, it has that vibe of, like, eloquency, and it proves that Charlotte Bronte is actually a quite literate woman, because she's able to write a novel this beautiful. Um, the writing is beautiful, and one thing I love is the, it talks a lot about, uh, like, emotion in this novel it's not very plot driven um the plot is a very basic plot and it's not really like 
the scenes are quite drawn out. There's lots of thinking. There's lots of eternal, like, discourse talking to, like, one's soul. There's lots of talk about, like, providence and, like, kind of some type of superior being. Like, it's all, like, there's a lot of philosophy in this book. If, like, it, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find things that I like about this book. And there definitely are things that are good. But for the most part, it was just so sexist I can't focus on the good things because there's just too many of the bad ones but anyway that is my take on Jane Eyre um and so on that note I would like to wrap up this episode if you enjoyed this episode then please 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 spread the word about this podcast please go actually read Jane Eyre and come to your own conclusion I would hate for someone to just take my word as gospel because this is how I saw it through my worldview um like a very liberal feminist one um you might have different ideas and you might think differently and so please go read it and make your own decision and come to your own conclusion about how you feel about the novel um but anyway thank you so much for listening I am your host Deepak Singh this is the Refined Quill podcast thank you and good night